finally we're back. Yeah, I want to start out by saying our collective neurodivergent moment is saying we'd be back in a month and two months later. We're finally starting. No, we said March, three. and hopefully. Oh, did we? If, uh, we've had the stuff through. We will be. This will be the thirty-first of March, I believe. If it's not yeah. the thirty-first of March, then you will know that the studio didn't send us the fucking recording in time. Yeah. <laughs> if they did, then we're um uh. We we have kept our contractual obligations on okay, the podcast. All right. Good, good, good. I guess uh, whenever we say we'll be back in a certain month, always assume it'll be the very last day of that month. Yes. <laughs> or even into the next month. Um, so on this episode, we have the amazing, hilarious, interesting Andrea Hubert on. She's, she's fantastic. She's such an underrated comedian. Yeah. She's a... She's just hysterical and dark and sharp and funny. And she has He borderline... does the thing that a lot of people, a lot of comics... Sorry, we're talking about borderline. But uh, a lot of comedians try and do sort of dark comedy. And it doesn't really work. You know, it's because a lot of sort of when there's like new comedians go, oh, I'll just do dark comedy. Andrew's one of the few people who does it in a way that's really interesting. And she's not just being dark for the sake of being dark. You know, there's actually some real clever stuff in there. Yeah, you know... I think that's why it works for her because she's not like being like, I'm going to be edgy. That's no. just how her brain works. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's saying completely normal things and everyone's going, oh boy. <laughs> and laughing along. But what I was going to say is uh, Andrea has borderline personality disorder. I knew very little about BPD going into this. Um the all I knew was sort of a very brief conversation I've had with Andrea in the past and with another comedian um, as well. But uh, it was very interesting. Yeah, I thought uh, she was absolutely amazing uh, explaining it all to us. And, oh, by the way, she found all those memes that she spent uh, half of the recording scrolling her phone looking for. She sent me all those memes. So by the time this comes out... They will be on our uh, Instagram. So if you don't follow us, follow us at NDM underscore podcast on Instagram to see some educational memes about borderline personality disorder if you don't know much about it. Um, yeah, so it's a fascinating conversation. I, I have lots of thoughts on this episode because I think there'll be people who will go there'll be people saying listen to this going well that's not neurodivergence yeah um because bpd sort of is often put under sort of mental illness rather than neuro neurodivergence and i think it's worth noting that the, the term neurodivergence we, we we can see where it was coined and it was coined to refer to people who have brains which are different to how society expects brains to be um so that's like an incredibly broad term um but it's the, the the movement is, I guess, dominated by probably by autistic people and, and the sort of certain discussions around um, autisticness. And some of those discussions don't sort of always neatly map over to um, to people like Andrea. And we talked about difference and, and deficit. You know, for me, being autistic, I see it very much as a difference. You know, I think there's things I struggle with, things which I'm good at, and I think they sort of generally even out. And I think in a fair society. Um, it it wouldn't feel like uh, a, a deficit being autistic. It wouldn't feel like a problem um, because things would be sort of set up and things would be be sort of more inclusive. Um, but Andrea's sort of view was was different to that. I've written down a load of things which I think are true and sort of seem like they might contradict, but I think all of these things are true. I think neurodivergence is incredibly broad. It includes lots of 
different things, different types of brains, um, that we each have our own narrative and we our own sort of way of seeing ourselves and, and how we feel about our own neurodivergence. I see my neurodivergence as a difference, not a deficit, but it's totally valid for people to see their own neurodivergence as a thing which they want to change and, and work on in the way that um, Andrea does. Um, I think there's a wider cultural thing of people being made to feel that things that are different are deficits. Mm -hmm. I don't think that challenging that wider culture should detract from Andrea's viewpoint and should invalidate what what she is um, saying. Uh, But I'm against anyone other than the individual deciding how they view their own neurodivergence, whether they see it as a difference or see it as 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 something which they want to overcome. And that sort of comes down to the individual. I think once you get people from the outside going, well, these are the ones that need change and these are the ones that are good. That's when some very bad stuff happens. Um, But despite all that difference between my experience and Andrew's, there was still stuff which I related to. And I think we still, as neurodivergent people, have shared political and social interests. Andrea talked about stigma, you know, and that sort of people thinking she must be a serial killer because she has borderline personality disorder. And I think that there are similar things with autistic people where there's that stereotype of, well, they're a bit weird. You know, you often sort of say, well, what's her boyfriend like? Oh, he's a bit weird, you know, as a mm-hmm. sort of prison in and of itself. So I think that, um, and things like access to mental health services, I think we have shared sort of social and political interests. So even though we need to um, acknowledge that diversity within neurodivergence, I think it's also worth pointing out where we can come together and go, here are some common interests which we have, common political and social interests, where these are things which we could change about the world, which would be better for all of us. And we have more of a chance to change those things if we work together. Um, I think all you of are so things, well but... spoken, Joe. Like that. Well, was I have so not. I made notes because I was worried I was going to mess it up. Um, also, I don't know whether this this is a probably the sort of a very broad discussion which is suited for our other non comedy podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Well, I no. I think it's all worth acknowledging in regards like deficit versus difference. As we were talking to Andrea about it, like as someone with ADHD. I kind of view ADHD as both. Mm. Like, I'm not a huge fan of the whole ADHD is a superpower. Like, because although there are some really good things about it, if I saw it solely as a difference and not a deficit, I probably wouldn't take medication for it. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And um, so that being said, if you're like Joe and you see your neurodivergency as a difference, if you're like... Andrea and you see it as a deficit or if you're like me and you see it as both because sometimes I'm like I love how I can hyper focus I love how it uh it almost like with the hyper focus uh it almost creates like a passion for your work I think it's a beautiful thing but like I hate uh my uh ADHD task paralysis um even though I'm on meds it still happens uh, I hate uh, the fact that I, although I constantly try, am still someone who will wait to the last minute to do stuff. Like, that's all stuff that I'm still working on uh, as a human being. But, I, you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is no matter how you see it, we're more alike than we are different. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think there'll be a sort of yeah, a completely... which I 
I think is a much cheesier and uh, <laughs> less eloquent way to say exactly what you just said so beautifully. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think I think you're right, and I think all those things that try to sort of divide and. I'm very skeptical of anything. I think that's why the sort of superpower thing is sometimes a bit problematic because then you go, well, what if people don't have superpowers? Then what about, you know, everyone sort of is, it sounds like such a corny thing to say, isn't it? But everyone is valid, you know, <laughs> whether, yeah. whether they have superpowers or not, you know. And I think as soon as we start being sort of like, I do see, I, I, I do think there's a thing about, you know, those differences being strengths and having that conversation. But as long as, long as it never seeps into going, well, these are the these are the good neurodivergent people, and these are the bad ones, you know. Uh, yeah, and like you said, I think it's really valid to highlight a neurodivergence and mental illness that is so misunderstood. Like mm. I would say, borderline personality disorder is probably the one of the most misunderstood conditions in the mental health slash neurodivergent spectrum. Because as yeah. Andrea said, people just assume that anyone who has it is cruel. Like yeah, yeah. if they're not like a, a serial killer, which is like the the jump to like the most extreme idea. Hmm. They assume that people with borderline personality disorder like are unfeeling or don't care about the people around them. Where as you can hear in this interview, like Andrea has so much feelings and, and, and so much love to give and, and feels so much if she uh, perceives a rejection. And, um, you know, that's a whole thing. I think I said that really well. So I don't care if your phone just beeped. We are leaving <laughs> that in. We are leaving that out. in. I, no, I completely agree. Um, do you know what? If it, if it turns out that Andrea's got loads of bodies buried underneath her house, we're going to like such mugs in this podcast, aren't we? This is going to be played back. How did they not realise? They were saying how compassionate she was. Oh, well, then <laughs> I maybe, don't think she's a serial killer. Maybe we'll get cancelled and then our <laughs> podcast will get so freaking popular. If we're a real true, like, true crime podcast. <laughs> yeah! But uh, no, I, I completely agree. Yeah, it's one of like... And Andrew, yeah, is a is incredibly sort of thoughtful and compassionate person, which, um, uh, as far as we know, is not a serial killer. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think she's a serial killer. She lives in London. There's no place to hide the bodies. Yeah, that's <laughs> not, the not with these housing killer. prices. Yeah. <laughs> All right, shall we? Shall we go ahead and uh, play the podcast? Yes. Here's Andrew Hubert. So, Andrew Hubert, thank you so much for coming thank and joining you. us. I had absolutely nothing else to do. Oh. I mean, I was oh. on Twitter fighting with people, but now I'm not. Now you're not. <laughs> well, that's what we, We're saving you from Twitter. Yeah, we try to give people a break from Twitter. That's what we <laughs> offer. It's not normal, but, you know, today today was an interesting morning. Yeah. So, yeah, um, it, it was very nice to leave the house and go, do you know what? There are real people in the world. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Who I like and who are my friends. <laughs> you both have five-syllable 
Well, you have a five-syllable full name, you have a five-syllable first name. And whenever people have those, I can't help but sing their names to the tune of Eleanor Rigby in my Abigail head. Abigail Yeah. Andrea I've got a lot of stuff like that, but I can't remember it right now. But yeah, like people who just, like certain names you have to say in a certain type of voice or a certain voice in your head. Yeah. Or like certain things have exclamation points after them, even if they don't. Titles of musicals. Speaking of, I saw Guys and Dolls last Night. How was it? An amazing, amazing show, amazing performance. But I think that it's it's an interesting choice to resurrect something that's about guys and their dolls. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like it was interesting. But you know, I liked it. It was good. It was well done. Yeah. I only know this from The Simpsons. I'll let you talk. <laughs> I have no idea what this is apart from it's a musical, and I'd never seen it before. And it was weird because there were quite a lot of songs that I already knew, probably yeah. from pop culture. So right. everyone's like, "Luck be a lady get tonight." Da- Luck from... be a lady tonight. Didn't oh, you know? Okay. And uh, sit down, you're rocking the boat, and I'm singing along. I've never seen it. I've never yeah, had a recording. It's from the golden era of musicals. For, so right. it's from the 1950s. So yeah, all the. Uh, uh, gender norms in it are highly dated, uh, but all but it, the songs yeah. are ha, have are now like American standard classics. Yeah, yeah they are, yeah. and it's and it's wonderful. Um, yeah, because yeah. I, I I once read this. Um, oh God, it was like a biography of the Savoy, and it and it was a lot about sort of musical theatre because the guy who owned the Savoy also owned like lots of theatre and stuff, and he was really into musicals. I think it wasn't Rodgers and Hammerstein; it was the other one, Gilbert and Sullivan. It was a, it was a duo of people that he worked really well with, and. There's uh, there's no end to the story. Great. <laughs> just want to let you know I read a book. Yeah. Uh, just no problem. Well, hey, uh, segues are for suckers. And uh, <laughs> you have borderline personality. No, you disorder. have borderline personality. No, disorder. you have borderline personality disorder. Don't look at me. <laughs> I do. I was diagnosed a few years ago. A comedian friend who I won't name because that's their business um, said, I've just been diagnosed with this and you have it too. <laughs> I was like... Thank you. Uh, are you sure that depression and possible ADHD that I can't bother to get checked is not enough for me? And I went to their psychiatrist and I got checked and then I got checked again at an independent psychiatrist. And it turns out that a lot of the, the ways I've been thinking, like really, really, really disordered, messed up, like poisonous, untrue, non-factual narratives that had taken over my life were not real. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and um, it was a huge relief to know that it's not that, oh, the pills don't work and I'm going to be depressed forever. It's that there's actually something very wrong with my brain. <laughs> or so wrong it's right. Yeah, Like you're looking go. at me. This is very wrong. One of the things that I've noticed since being diagnosed with a personality disorder is that I feel normal rather than weird because I have a personality disorder. I feel like normal now because I know what it's called. I also feel like not that I want to ever be a spokesman for it because I don't really want to because I'm I just I'm quite lazy. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? If I can sit and not do anything, I'd much rather do that. Yeah. But if um if I were to say to a spokesman of BPD, what would you want to get across? Because I want to be very clear, I'm not doing the job. I just want to chill. Yeah. But um, Neither I, I would want them to. I know. Like, I, I just want to chill. I, I yeah. don't. I don't want to teach people anything. I don't we want to spread any word. We have made this point on our own yeah. podcast. <laughs> we are not role models. No, 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 no role model. No whatever. But but one of the things is something that I said to you before we started recording, which is the first time people ever hear the words borderline personality disorder are, are when a serial killer has been caught, mm-hmm. and every single killer. Um, but everyone who's done a violent crime or done a psychologically violent crime appears to have borderline personality disorder, which, you know, is fair enough because they probably do. But 
it feels like if that's your entry into something that's quite complex and, and multi-layered and, and has its own spectrum of how bad it can be or how much control you've got over it, um, then that's that's a bit of a sad one for us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like mm. I've had people say, oh, my God, I thought that was for serial killers. And I'm like, I'm happy to kill you. <laughs> but I don't feel like I want to kill loads more people to make a point. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just, just for uh, the listeners at home, like what is the definition of – Oh. So you have nine checkpoints. Okay. I, I'm not able to list them. Okay. You don't, you don't <laughs> I, have to, I, What does it mean to you? How does it affect your life I, or right, your so brain? I, I suppose it, it's, they say it's caused by trauma early on. Okay. And it doesn't have to be a big trauma. I'm not ever going to pretend I had a traumatic childhood because I didn't. Mm-hmm. But what I, I do have is specific moments of, of things happening that I think were very impactful. Yeah. And there is a whole side of it where you feel guilty for not having more trauma versus the people who had real trauma and a fine or, vi- or not fine or whatever. But it's just a massive, massive, massive layered uh, condition. I'm trying to work out how, like the best way, the way I describe it on, uh, on stage is I can't feel joy. And I don't mean it completely sincerely, but it, it's not that far from the truth. Like, mm-hmm. It's not that I don't understand joy and I don't feel it. I'm just, I'm very separate from those kinds of feelings and because my brain is constantly at work like you know people talk about intrusive thoughts Mm -hmm. right it's it's different to that because I I know people with pure o and the intrusive thoughts that come in are really sexual and murderous it's it's not really like that this is me attacking me constantly and creating narratives around that to create a lot of enemies and I don't mean real enemies I mean in my mind enemies so like I don't know, um, I could text you and you couldn't text me back, might, might not text me back. And by the time you text me back, I will have created an entire world around that. And so the, and, and that has affected every relationship I've ever had. It's affected until you know why you're doing things. Do you think everything that you are thinking is the truth? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like people on Twitter, like everything <laughs> you're thinking is the truth and so everything everyone else thinks they can't possibly understand and the truth is you're starting from a really unwell place of not everything is the truth like I have this permanent feeling of everything being my fault I have this permanent feeling of everyone's not going to like me I have this permanent feeling and again I know that's just anxiety but I can interpret and have up until very recently interpreted things in a way that is best described as deranged mm-hmm. and then I have to live with what I create and then I have to fix the messes I've made and I don't know how to do that because I'm not entirely sure what's going on and it becomes it becomes incredibly complicated to know what is real and what is not real mm-hmm. and the only way to do it is to to you know keep doing your dialectical behavioral therapy and it's very hard because it's extremely intellectual which I don't really enjoy do you know what I mean like you go to a normal therapist you talk you feel better but it's not like that with this you have to I mean I went to classes I went to group therapy classes to learn from a book two inches thick, a workbook about how to not constantly feel like you should kill yourself because you are the worst human on earth. And I'm not the worst human on earth. I'm averagely bad, just like everybody. <laughs> like all, all well, that. So you're one of the best. Oh, yeah. you stop. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm fine. But, but yeah, like um, I'm trying to give like real concrete examples. And what I want to do is look on my phone to the meme that I sent my family to try yes. and understand me. I'll be honest yeah. with you, none of them have fucking read it. But this would be great for an audio podcast. Oh, yeah. it won't it be so good. No, yeah. but I'm gonna I'm gonna read it out, guys. It's gonna be so good. If and you could also just send it to me. Yeah, <laughs> but I will find it. I just have to keep going no, through it's uh, fine. stuff. 
but I should have prepared this before. Sorry. There's just a lot of them that kind of show. I, there's no point in me banging on about something that nobody can see while I'm trying to find it. So why don't you ask another question while I find what I'm looking well, so for? The question I wanted to ask was, because we talk about neurodivergence mm. and that sort of, I guess, is born out of like the neurodiversity movement mm. and mm. sort of focuses on I'm autism yeah. and ADHD and those are the sort of things. And people talk about the neurodiversity paradigm, which is all about viewing these things as differences rather than um, Dif- deficits. Well, that's and interesting. I wonder how you feel... I feel like BPD isn't very represented within that movement. It's not represented and it is a fucking deficit. Sorry, it's unbelievably hard. It's Mm. unbelievably hard to constantly have to check what you're saying is okay, constantly have to check that you're not judging people for things that you've made up. Like it's, It's like having a permanent panic attack is the best way I can describe it. It's like permanently having a panic attack and also not knowing what is real and what is not real. Like it's very stressful. So... Is it a deficit? Yeah, it fucking is. Like, I would, I would love to go back to when I was a kid and fix the parts that got broken so that I didn't have this. Because it's a personality trait. It's not like, it's not like, um, oh, what's the other B? Um, bipolar. Yeah. It's nothing like that. Like, nothing like that. They share some traits, but it's nothing like that because, and, and forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think that can be controlled mostly with medication and therapy. This has no medication. Like, this is all therapy. And that is really hard, especially if you're not bookish, because it's very, very difficult therapy. DBT is incredibly difficult. It's incredibly hard work. It's like being in a constant cardio for your brain. Can you explain, uh, you said you're doing dialectic therapy? So it's, uh, you know, CBT, that's cognitive. Yeah, so dialectic is really... I, th- I think this is right. <laughs> it's okay. I think it's right. the Scientologist thing. So, I guess oh, that's, that's uh, Dianetics. <laughs> yeah. that's oh, you know what? Not different. being funny, but I'm pretty sure that Scientologists would just say, oh, will you just <laughs> cheer up, Andrea? Just cheer up. Um, I keep looking for it, but those are glasses I was talking about. Um, oh, sorry, at this point, it's like I'm a podcast, but I'm like constantly on my. See what I mean? All I, the I dudes. Mean it. I I, mean they're not even my guys. They're her guys. She keeps going, is this one fit? Is this one fit? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Maybe he is. Anyway. Uh, the question was, uh, what uh, can what is, you explain dialectic therapy, not Dianetics? No, yeah. di- I can't explain <laughs> Dianetics except to say that humans are weird. Um, I guess dialectic behavioral therapy is you are trying to make intellectual sense of a thought process. Mm-hmm. So it teaches you about thoughts and how the ones that stick don't have to be true. You know, like, mm-hmm. um, so a- an example of like, oh, this is so dumb, but like, thinking about slapping you it's just a fucking thought do you know what I mean it goes in and out because I get stuff like that all the time you know people with intrusive thoughts get mm-hmm. like like I, I remember once my friend Lucy's mum was being such a bitch and I just thought what if I pick up this knife and just stick it in your ear mm-hmm. <laughs> it'll certainly stop you talking now I would never keep that thought stick in it and go I'm a murderer because I don't have OCD in that way but with with something like borderline the thoughts that stick are the ones that can do the most detriment to your life. And they're usually personal. So I'm a piece of shit forever. I'm a piece of shit. Everyone hates me. No one likes me. No one wants to talk to me. Every time I go into a room, people wish I wasn't there. Like, and not that's my narrative. It could be anything for anyone. And, and, but it's usually negative. It's like all the negative thoughts Velcro stick in your brain and Mm -hmm. anything positive slips away like oil. Um, And that is a very difficult thing. It's like, you know me, I'm negative. (laughs) But I'm very negative. Like, I've always been very negative. But what I didn't realize was that I didn't have to believe all of it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sort of slowly trying to build up my self-esteem back again with with good things, with things that I can sort of... And now, you know, there's lots of um, different 
techniques you can use for like crisis management, you know, when you're having like a complete meltdown and you actually can't cope because your thoughts are too much. There are certain breathing techniques you can do, but there's one that, you know, there's um, there's cold water tricks to trick the vagus nerve. Um, that kind of thing is really interesting. That's all DVT. But the one I like is just yelling stop to yourself. <laughs> that one. So if I'm like, um, OK, so what happened the other day? I didn't get a job I applied for or some mm. gig or whatever. So my your immediate thought, you, is they're so stupid, right? It was like, oh, I'll just, <laughs> I guess I'll just try them again, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, it doesn't occur to you that you're a piece of shit, right? I mean, you might have other things going yeah. on, but in that moment, you're not. But I'm like, of course they wouldn't want me. Of course. And it's not just low self-esteem. It is, it is a poisonous train of thought that I have not been able to get rid of my entire life. Yeah. And it's not just about this. It's literally about everything. But it's also, it, it sort of, um, it continues on into, into like the types of paranoia, but this absolute desperate need to not be abandoned yeah which leads to you being abandoned like yeah and, and that's the thing if like you wake up in the day you don't desperately need not to be abandoned right but oh, we have this hole in our souls because i guess like you know <laughs> i've I, always felt like that whenever even when someone leaves a party that i've gone to with isn't that insane yeah. and i know and, the, and so the part of the DBT is explaining to you what facts are. So they left the party because they want to leave me because I'm such a terrible party planner friend because because I'm having a really bad time because I'm embarrassing them because I'm so boring. And, and they're like, no, no. And then you do check the facts. So you're like, okay, what are the many reasons? You've listed a bunch, so let's list some more. And you list like she was tired. She had things to do. She couldn't find you when she was leaving. She wanted to, you know? And you list them and you list them and you list them and you list them until there's so many of them that you are no longer able with all good conscience to look at your ones and go, those must be true. So it's about tricking yourself. And it's exhausting. Yeah, because I guess I think everyone will have moments where they're like, oh, I... I didn't oh, yeah. get the thing. I'm a piece of shit. But then, like, I personally, I can kind of, like, have my moment of that and then be like, and it's okay. I, it's almost like. I it's had like, to I, taught I, how to do that yeah. uh, because I didn't know that all that stuff wasn't true. I was social because mm-hmm. I feel it. I feel like a piece of shit. I feel like a terrible person. So it must be true if I feel it, right? I mean, that's got to be that's got to be quite intense to be able to access such. Yes, I'm Despair, amazing at masking. Yeah. But but you said like th- the ability to access joy is not there. Am yeah, well, not right? for me, yeah. but you know, I have depression as well. So <laughs> not for me, but it we didn't find this. But yeah, it's um yes. It it is difficult. It is very very difficult because but I I think there were times when I was younger before sort of the quote-unquote trauma happened. It was just severe, horrific bullying uh, and some mm-hmm. family stuff. But, you know, again, nobody had a bad childhood here. Like, it's uh, it's not like that. It's it's very valid to be diagnosed with borderline personality disorder because trauma affects everyone differently. And I was mm-hmm. already very, very sensitive as a child. And mm-hmm. then a few knocks, someone like yourself who is immensely robust naturally which I think you are. Thank you. Um, it's extremely an robust. Well, if, it's an, <laughs> if it's an act, it's a good one. But I've seen the way you pursue things and you don't let let the fact that someone might have rejected you put you off. And I'm making you sound like a creepy man, but you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no, like, no, no. It, like um, you but don't let wrong. it mean, you don't make it mean something negative about you. And that is all I have yeah. ever done. Because I'm be extra hard because comedy and writing. Yeah. Oh my God, I wish I'd never started this. I wish I'd never started it. <laughs> 
I, I hate it. <laughs> it's such, I, I have never felt such personal regression in my life as a, as a human going into comedy and finding myself back in high school. Like, Have you not, ever thought about not? I mean, I know we're so deep in the game. It's like, what do you I know, do now, well, but The thing about not is I, I really love performing, but I don't, you know, it doesn't need to be everything. But in terms of not, I've just kind of backed away from stuff that I think will make me unhappy. And I've done more of the stuff. But you're right. The more of the stuff that I think will make me happy is just writing. And that's equally horrific. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm not helping myself. What I should be doing is like being a florist, which I can sort of meditate on and do mindfulness around, you know, just sort of colors and concentration and not have to constantly. Because I mean, a person who is obsessed with being left and abandoned goes into comedy where rejection is everything. Yeah, 90% of the job. Yeah. Yeah. You're a florist someone turning down flowers is the saddest thing I mean I've never I, don't, I guess but who like what kind of monster turns down flowers that's not even a thing I I don't even know what that is Joe no, I am I, determined I to find this um what what can what can people I I've got I mean I've got so many questions but I, I I'm interested to know what what can people because my response when you're talking about rejection mm-hmm. is to go my, my sort of impulse is to go but you're brilliant and I tell you how brilliant you are is that helpful is that not what can people actually do to, it is it is really helpful because it it's it means that people who I've got on with, I have not made up that I've got on with them. Like right. if I've gone, oh, we had a nice time, you and I, I get on with Joe. I would consider Joe a friend, friendly colleague, you know, like mm. and and you then confirming that going up. Oh, but I think you're great. It's, it's actually really nice. Do you know what I mean? It's not the same. I think your work is fantastic. Oh, I well. think your work is fantastic. <laughs> I've talked about jelly eyes to so many people. <laughs> jelly balls. <laughs> Have you heard that routine? It's very No, funny. I haven't heard jelly balls. Oh, my God, balls. it's really it's one funny. Of the, one of the greats, yeah. It really is. <laughs> it is, it is uh, yeah, it is one of the greats. It's your cake uh, versus death. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, it's funny. Like, I, I'm not autistic that I know of. <laughs> so I kind of, I don't think I am. In fact, I definitely am not. And I am, um, and so when, you, you're giving me your perspective uh, through your jelly eyes. I love it. Um, but also, I, I love that it's funny. Well, thank you. <laughs> I love that you've taken a difficult topic and made it funny because there's a difficult topic taken and not made funny is, is, is just a difficult topic. Yeah. And, and that's fine. But then I'd rather, if I'm listening to a difficult topic, hear, hear it like funny. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's just comedy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a question, then it left my mind. Well, this is killing me because I feel like I really want to show you this thing. I can't find it, and it's driving me absolutely mad. You're going to you're going to chop all that nonsense out. (laughs) Just going to chop it out. But I I mean, like, yeah, in terms of in terms of how how I think it compares to other neurodiversities, I don't I don't know the answer to that. I I have a tendency to feel very sorry for myself uh, in terms of like my natural inclination is negative victim, which I fight against every day. So but I'm being really honest here, like my natural inclination is to be like, poor me. And so uh, and knowing that that's horrific, I fight it. But you're fighting your natural personality. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, but then maybe that's not my natural personality. Maybe that's the the borderline. I will never know. I one of the things about borderline that's really, really indicative is a complete lack of sense of self. And you two will look at me. I know you will. Going, there's no way you have a lack of sense of self, right? I would. Say you're completely that about wrong. You, yeah. you couldn't be more wrong. I. So the reason he was so sure I had borderline is because he was assessing me. And he's like, tell me about, you know, years ago when was the first time you felt strange? And I said, the first time I felt strange was I was around six years old. No, it would have been around eight. I was around eight years old and I'm staring in the mirror 
and I'm completely separate. So I float up and I look at these two girls floating in the, in the mirror, two girls who I don't recognise and I can't recognise my features and I'm just looking and I'm like, who am I, who am I, who am I? It was really scary and obviously I didn't tell anyone because it sounded insane and it kept happening and it happens now still. And when I told the shrink that, he's like, oh my God, <laughs> that's so borderline. And I was like, okay, what does that fucking mean? And it's like, it doesn't matter how well your friends think they know you as this person. Like, you would describe me in a way, you'd probably describe me a similar way. And you guys would be like, oh, she really knows who she is. And the truth is, like, I am constantly staring in the mirror, unable to recognize my features. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Wow. And like my, your physical features. My physical features. No, 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 no. You can't recognize your features. Yeah, like, for, uh, for momentarily, right? So you, yeah, yeah, you yeah. float away, you see yourself looking in the mirror, you see the mirror girl looking back at the girl looking in the mirror. You don't recognize her and you also don't know that you have the same brain. So you don't know who you are and you're watching them both. And then you come back in and you're like, oh, I'm Andrea. But it happened so frequently that I felt it was worth mentioning. And when I mentioned it to the shrink, he was like, that is classic. That's really young to do it. And I was like, yeah, I knew it was weird. I knew it was fucking weird. <laughs> so how, how much, uh, how figuratively are you speaking? You're talking about I'm talking like your literally. Like sort of out of body experience. Yeah, yeah. Right. But like, I don't mean that I flew and floated. I mean, I could see it. You know what I mean? Like, so if you can sort of close so your eyes. So physically see it? Yeah. Right. It's really weird. Like, it's really strange. Mm. And it's it's um, the whole sense of self thing is so interesting because sometimes when I'm like, you guys will be like, oh, that's Andrew. She does this type of comedy. And, and, and she says these kinds of things. I don't know that. I like truly don't. I don't know what kind of comedy. I do. At the moment, I'm like, what is my point of view? <laughs> because I'm I get so hazy in there about what not what I think because I have obviously you know I think racism is bad <laughs> you know <laughs> I think ladies are nice you know that kind of thing <laughs> but like I it's it's really it's a very confusing thing I I can really to have no sense of self and yet have people tell you how well they know you yeah I, <laughs> it's I mean really confusing uh, from a comedy standpoint though I can really relate to that because I bet you can. I had uh, a moment where I was talking to some friends about like like you, you know, because in comedy, uh, uh, I hate to break it to you, listeners at home. There's a lot of talk about like USP, like what are you mm. selling as a person? And I was like, I don't know. I and like they had to like kind of break it down. And I was like, I just kind of think of myself as like a person who has ideas, and I haven't gone deeper than that. And, I don't uh, think that's a good or bad thing. Like I think it's okay for some to go deeper and some not. I don't know that. Ne- I mean, I understand. From the point of view of an industry person, everyone needs a USP, but yeah. like life doesn't really work like yeah. that. Like your USP could be much smaller than they think it is. Your USP could be well, anything about yourself, yeah. but also you don't need to work to it only. Like, I, I don't. I, I was so into your political comedy, right? And now I'm sorry, I've changed people now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Abby, I was not into yours. No, I don't have. Uh, I'm, I'm now looking comedy. at Joe, but like I was so into your political comedy, and now I'm into your comedy about autism. Oh, thank you. But you're not a comedian with a USP apart from your USP of being clever and funny. Yeah, I, th- I think the USP thing is sometimes just a way to sort of market, sort of cheat the yeah, market the industry. Naturally, I think that. It's a way to put yourself in front of people, but then you've just got to be good at comedy. You know? Well, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's, and it's totally like it's not I'm not putting down anyone who has a USP who is also great. Yeah. But it, yeah, like, I mean, I, I like someone who'd ask me what my I was like, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't even know what my fucking thoughts are. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, USP, I'm tall. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I like ideally a USP would just be every single gig kills. That's yeah. <laughs> like, I just I smash it, mate. Good every time. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's what I'm going to tell my agent the next time we talk about it. Like, what are, how are we going to say it? every single girl? Yeah, I, I'm it. I'm a serial gig murderer. There bitch. we go. <laughs> there yeah, you go. So normal. I have a question, and please excuse my incredible naivety. I always do. Thank you. <laughs> uh, American. Uh, so uh, borderline personality disorder is something that is related to a trauma from when you were younger. Yeah. So, ergo, if you do so much work, is it something yes. that a person can – Yes. come out of yes. like overcome yeah okay. very much so and that's quite weird because hardly any people do so therefore yeah. knowing that you can well i mean it's got to be it kind really of like depends. depression too like yeah. you can mm. not be depressed anymore but it's really hard not well, to the be woman depressed i anymore. the woman i went to see the one who dumped me mid-pandemic um because she was just like we've just come to a, a standstill i was like yeah no i get it but at the same time we're in the middle of a pandemic so maybe don't take away my one zoom human contact for the week yeah but she did uh then, then about about a month ago she sent me a random text of like soothing sounds and i was like no thank you <laughs> no, wow. no, it's two years too late <laughs> but regardless um she really helped me and she has it or had it and she got there quite early she's a therapist in this dialectical stuff she must have done it loved it so much she became a therapist but she has got it under so much control that she does not do, like um identify in that way anymore and it is absolutely possible but it's not the goal uh, okay this is an important yeah. note well like, okay it's not the goal for me because i again once th- one more terrible belief that i've decided is true i believe i'll never be okay <laughs> i believe mm-hmm. i'll never ever not have a poisonous brain which is again instantly then we could check the facts on that are there people who have healed themselves here are they are they real are they lying uh, why do you decide immediately that is it because of you know what i mean there's a million yeah. ways you can disprove yourself but i'm just being honest but then again but yeah people can get better people people can get so good at managing it that if you've got like let's say there's a checklist of nine things and to have borderline you have to have five of them mm-hmm. i've got all nine it's no big deal and um i'm not saying i'm amazing at being ill i'm just <laughs> saying um but if you get down to about like three or four you are not considered to have it yeah because you know essentially it's a a disorder which is a massive expansion of all the stuff that normal people think anyway Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean it's just an inability to stop those thoughts yeah but in that way i think like not having a quote-unquote cure not be the goal is actually quite positive because you're like working within yourself as a human now yeah you're not projecting to an idea of what could you be. mean buying size 10 jeans no yeah yeah i'm not with like you. being like oh one day i will lose the weight one day i know i threw be... away i threw away all my size 12s Good i just for threw you. them out and it Good was it was the, i love clothes i love fashion so much and i i one day i just knew i was like if i did get to a size 12 again i would be really unhealthy uh, as I was the last time I was a, a size 12 mm-hmm. when I didn't eat for five years. So how about you just throw... I mean, I didn't throw them away. I gave them away. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, Because I'm a good person, guys. <laughs> um, but I, 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 the concept is correct. Yeah. You know what I mean? You have to be realistic within the confines. I don't know what other people do, but for me, it was not put across as cure yourself. Mm-hmm. It was help yourself. You know, like... 
a diabetic has to inject every day, right? Like mm-hmm. you can't cure yourself, you can help yourself. And I don't find it helpful to try and get rid of it because I don't believe I can. So, mm-hmm. and again, that's my terrible belief, blah, blah, blah. But I don't believe that's the goal. Yeah. But I wouldn't want to speak for everyone. That wasn't how I saw it. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's a really healthy The goal was goal. functioning. Yeah, I, I think, yeah. Functioning and um, f- uh, not just yeah. functioning, like a... Uh, you know, when someone's thriving. functional, uh, thriving, no, right? Yeah, like kind of, yeah, like like um, you know, I, I work with a lot of different companies when I do like sort of copywriting, and one of the companies I'm I'm like a sort of a, a staff writer for is a inclusive sex toy company, and a lot of the marketing comes around people who, like you said before, was it you said before was good? Like it, it's an asset, not a what was it you said? Well, I get, people talk about the neurodiversity. Yeah. So they, they would talk about difference, not deficit. Difference, yeah. not deficit. And that is how we speak of sex and disability in sort of commerce, right? This is not something that you need to get over. This is not something mm. that you should be ashamed of. This is you. This is your body. And here's what's tailored for that particular body. So my friend who owns the company, she makes like you know, everything's got big grip for people with like, you know, muscular issues. Mm. Everything's got huge buttons. It's it's really like, you know, there's like, there's really quiet ones for people who can't stand big noise. Like it's, you know, and also who live with people like, you know, yeah. you, know you know, dildos. Yeah. But the, the point is there, it's very much um, not deficit, which mm. I think is right. But if you're asking me personally, do I think that this is a deficit? I would be a liar if I said this was a difference, not a deficit. This feels like a deficit. This feels... I mean, what would, I guess I wouldn't want to, but what would a diabetic say? Yeah, it's a fucking deficit. It's really annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, they, I, would be, I think... they would be very glad. Do you think, I don't think a person with bipolar, I mean, I wouldn't know, right? But I'm guessing mm, that, that comes with heightened creativity. So that's really hard to say. Mine doesn't. <laughs> I, th- I think it's a problem with the neurodiversity movement in that it's sort of focused on very sort of like happy. Yeah, happy like and and you know and, and I think my own stuff does that. Well, they lose well, realism like, along the way if we hey, don't acknowledge. Great, everyone's different, and yeah. like and I think that sometimes that's a useful way of looking at things. But I think it excludes you. Then exclude Reality. some people yeah. from your movement. Well, yeah, um, but I, you know most movements <laughs> exclude someone. Yeah, but, yeah. but yeah, yeah, you're it, you're right in that way. Like I I think that there's nothing positive about this. Like I can't even be like you know when I'm high I get so amazing. There's nothing positive about this personality disorder. The only thing that's positive about it is I was about no I, like I'm thinking I suppose that finding out about it was positive mm. being diagnosed was positive but no there's nothing positive about this like it's it's horrible <laughs> it's absolutely horrible and i wouldn't lie about that and i again i'm not i think that non-deficit in a sort of physical world of of people who have been shunned and and shunned financially you know like the purple pound which is what you called sort of disability money is actually like worth more than the student pound right but people don't cater to them because of lots of different psychological reasons and I found that absolutely fascinating and I also you know having worked with lots of people in you know with various physical uh, disabilities is that they are not looking to become quote-unquote able-bodied they are looking for people to stop looking at them as though they should be able-bodied yeah there's a big difference you know uh, and I would never even dream to speak to someone. So wouldn't you prefer not to be in that wheelchair? That's not a question I would ever ask. And that's not a question that's relevant. They have every right to like. But for me, I can only say that if I could be normal, I would. <laughs> and I know we don't use the word normal. Absolutely, I would. There's there's nothing. Po- I mean, what about you guys? What's positive about yours? I think I could. Yeah, I could. I could. I 
I think for me, I could very much talk about difference, but that's yeah. why I think autisticness for me is different to what you're describing. Yeah. Um, well, but I do think we, the reason why I think we, when we talk about neurodivergence, we should be broad in it is because I do think that even though we may differ in those attitudes, I think we have shared like political social goals in terms of like uh, access to mental health support, um, oh, you know, Jesus, and sort of yes. all those sorts of things. Mm. So I think I tried to get DBT on the, um, on the uh, NHS like five years ago, still still waiting. Wow. So, I mean, look, I, I'm very lucky that I could, well, I say lucky, I paid for it out of my savings. You know, like, yeah. I'm lucky that I had savings because I saved them. I don't know. Like, yeah. it's, you know, we can sit here and run around gun working out. But ultimately, the NHS, who I, which I love and support, is shocking on mental health. And if you don't have a way to pay for certain things, borderline is... Again, I'm not a campaigner, but it's absolute. It's underdiagnosed. It's under. Um, it's under misunderstood massively, and it's also like very unpleasant. It's yeah. extremely unpleasant. <laughs> so, like, I, uh, you know, a, a friend of mine said to me the other day, she's like, "You have been exhausted for so many years, and the fact that you have friends and have people who love you." is quite impressive and I was like I'll take the compliment to be honest with you because Mm -hmm. I would also give that compliment to the friends that are stuck saying it's a compliment to you that that you love me enough that you stuck around after xyz and I'm not even the worst of an example of people who go mental lose their shit on people and are completely unreasonable cause fights about things that didn't happen because they're so sure they did like when I look at the comments in the in the Facebook group that I'm part of and people sort of say my boyfriend's going to leave me because of this and and like everyone's like look we really feel bad for you but of course he is and people are quite honest with each other That's when cool. some so when somebody is clearly a gaslighting prick who uses the person's BPD to beat them over the head and um to beat them over the head and gaslight them which you see all the time like you're borderline so you're wrong right so as soon as some people take your diagnosis and they beat you over the head with it Mm. um, and you you see people when they post what's happened and everyone was like right this is what this looks like and we're all checking the facts and like from my point of view this is what this person is doing and as soon as you get lots that are the same you're like okay I'll take that seriously you know Mm -hmm. because these are people who are used to checking the facts and as well as used to not checking the facts, if you yeah. see what I mean. And then when the person's being a bit of an asshole and kind of causing the drama, most people will say, I think you're in the wrong here. So we have a fact check for ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. which is really useful. Yeah. I mean, I haven't used it, guys. I'm amazing. <laughs> just, well, uh, that's just for those guys, those crazy bitches. Uh, but yeah, that that is a useful thing, I think. That's good. I think we uh, need to wrap up. I know. Soon. I could talk for so yeah. long, but I do. I, we should have worked longer. But don't we yeah. need to check if we're doing the same gig tonight, Joe? Yeah, Wait, wait. We will so do that do as the... soon as we wrap up. Okay. This First of all, I do want to say before uh, we ask you for the neurodivergent moment, uh, you are fabulous. No, oh, stop are fabulous. it. You are <laughs> wonderful. Can you and... tell those two mean boys on Twitter? Yeah, I will. And all my ex-boyfriends. Andrew, we ask every guest for a neurodivergent moment. Do you have a neurodivergent moment for us? I do. And it was well before I knew that I was neurodivergent. And it's to do with um, borderline people hating being abandoned and imagining they see it everywhere. I was really young and I was going to some religious Sunday group for Jews. And uh, there was this girl there called Alex and she was so cool. She was so cool. And I, I think I wasn't like I really wasn't. And we became friends. And then she, uh, whatever the very early 90s, you know, version of ghosting me. So I wrote her 
a letter, found her address from God knows where, because this was pre-internet, and the letter was, Dear Alexandria, I cannot tell you how furious I am and how upset I am and how broken I've become since you refuse to be my friend anymore. I mean, the drama of this, right? This insane letter to this poor 10-year-old girl who was just like, why is this? Oh, yeah. No, I was young. It's like, why is this nerd stalking me? I think about it sometimes because, like, later on, um, nothing ever got mentioned. Never mentioned the letter. We'd still go to the Sunday thing and she wouldn't talk to me. And I imagine that she was just like, that's the girl who wrote me the letter begging to be friends. And when I thought about it the other day, I brought it up the other day and we laughed so much. My friend and I laughed so much because she was like, what were you thinking? I was like, all I was thinking was, you will not abandon me. And that is all. And now I'm like, oh, my God, that is psycho, like properly psycho. This poor girl must have been really like, how did she get my address? I don't know. I think I called like seven different people to find her like insanity. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) And I saw her. I saw her years later in life and I couldn't bear it. I was just like, nope, not speaking to her. (laughs) Not because she abandoned me because I did what I did. But, you know, there she is going, oh, that's the girl who wrote me the letter. Maybe maybe she'll be my friend and see how she likes it. (laughs) You don't talk to her. I'm pretty sure because I saw her years later when I was a journalist and I saw her at some party and she very much did not want to lock eyes. And I was like, (laughs) It was one of those moments where I was just like, you don't want to lock eyes. I sure as hell don't want to lock eyes. Uh, Let's just, you know, not lock eyes. And then that was that. And and I felt fine about that. But whenever I think of that letter, I I have a little death inside my chair. (laughs) And what a beautiful positive note to end on. Uh, That's the kind of story that makes you a comedian. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Thank you so much for coming on, Andrew. Thank you. Awesome. So that was Andrea Hubert. Yeah, uh, if we got the recording, that was Andrea. And if not, we're just going to bookend our start and stop and put out a 15-minute episode without any interview in it. (laughs) (laughs) Something will come out on Friday. Something will happen, no matter what. Uh, Yeah, I thought that was great. Yeah, she's brilliant. So honest and so, um, yeah, just fantastic. Hey, Joe, what is your neurodivergent moment this week? So my uh, new I've been working on a secret project. Uh, I think I'm allowed to say it. so it's a kids show um, with a sort of neurodivergent theme. And um, I'm working on it with previous guest Robert White. And we were discussing um, sort of theme and episode ideas. And one of the things we brought up, which was brought up, was about sort of imposing your special interests on other people. And then I had the moment of realisation that I had done that uh on the drive to the writing session with robert when i made so robert is a fantastic classical musician who knows all about gershwin and stuff like that i i believe that if robert tried hard enough he would love rap music like i do (laughs) so we had uh on the journey up i was like i can make him listen to one it'd be in my car he won't be able to escape and uh and uh i tried to try to convert him it didn't work but um but i think it was inspired it might inspire an episode of this show (laughs) I really like that you're like, if he really just really tried harder, he yeah, would yeah. <laughs> Eventually, I will get everyone. You will win out. You will win out. Do you uh, have a, a moment? 
Yeah, uh, my neurodivergent moment is waking up and planning to get dressed and start my day of doing things. And then it is now 3.13 in the afternoon and I'm recording in my dressing gown uh, <laughs> because I have not gotten dressed nor have I combed my hair today. <laughs> it's got good acoustics of dressing on, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean... It's like it's, a, it's... your own sound booth. Exactly. It's uh, really fluffy, so it's great to record in. And uh, I woke up at 7.30. I woke up at 7.30 this morning, and I haven't gotten dressed yet. I do have to leave the house at one point, so I will get dressed probably around 6 p.m. Okay. <laughs> I'm not. Ju- there's no judgment here. This is, uh, this is an open podcast. Whatever. I, I know you don't judge do me, <laughs> but I was really thinking I'd put on clothes like a big girl today. <laughs> <laughs> um. We've got some good listener ones. Do you want to go first, listener ones, or shall I? Yeah, sure. I'll I'll go first. Um, so this is from Tace, and if I said your name wrong, a uh, thousand apologies. I have an email here from Tace, which is uh, beautiful and uh, given a lot of examples, but we're just going to focus on one in her email, uh, where she talks about her echolalia. Uh, Joe, can you explain what echolalia is for everyone <laughs> listening at home? I'm not, so I, yeah, I'm trying to work out exactly what the definition is, but it's to do with, with, um, copying sounds and words, isn't it? And, and, um, not necessarily thinking too much about the meanings of those words, but enjoying the, the sound of a word or a, or a noise or something like that. Yes. That's exactly what it means. It's Good like a sort job. of verbal stim, isn't it? Yeah, it's a verbal stem. And uh, Tace talking about her echolalia says, much more common when I was younger, but has become internalized as I've gotten older, except when I'm drunk. People still think I'm mocking them. I just like the sounds. And I just want to go all the way down to the bottom of her email where uh, she signs off with, this email took me two weeks to complete. <laughs> So, thank you uh, for writing in. And although we didn't read the whole thing, we have read the whole thing. So, thank you for spending two weeks on it. We get lovely and emails. My, my wife does that as well. She does does coughing sort of um, sounds and, and things. And um, she, we ha- I had to have a little listen. I'm all for people being free, but we were in Newcastle. And she was enjoying the sound of her own rendition of a Geordie accent. And I was a little bit worried we might get murdered. <laughs> I, very uh, Southern English wife going, why Iman walking around Newcastle? I said, like, please don't do that. But I know that I know that it's fun to say, but it's it won't be fun if you say it loudly on a Friday night in Newcastle. Does, uh, does it come out more uh, for Danica when she's drunk as well? Um... Probably more, uh, no, when, when she's not around other people, I think I see it more mm. of her sort of, um, just enjoy, enjoying noises, um, and sounds and the yeah, end repeating things. I love it. I've not heard of that before, uh, which is why I made Joe explain it. And, uh, I think, I think that's a lovely little stem. I can understand mm. why you have to be like, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not making fun of you as a person. I just like the way you sound. <laughs> this, yeah, there's definitely that, that it is one that can land you in trouble, isn't it, if you're copying yeah. accents? Exactly. Hey, Joe, do you have a listener neurodivergent moment? I do. This person has included their name, but I, I they haven't explicitly said it's okay to use their name, so I'm not going to, and uh, you, oh, you neither may did. see why. Neither did the last one, but I just assumed it was okay. So I would usually just assume, it's the listeners, if you don't want us to share your name, explicitly say you don't want your name shared. But 
Uh, in this case, I'm going to not share the name just just in case, um, because um, this is a message from uh, Anonymous about uh, doing icebreaker activities where you're asked um, to tell the group something about yourself. And then and the first thing that came to their head was to share uh, the fact that they have no asshole uh, because they had uh, an ileostomy and uh, due to Crohn's disease. So at a little icebreaker sharing of the group. I have no idea what else to say. Oh, I'm really into, got really into baking recently. Uh, and then him saying, uh, I have no arsehole. That's amazing. I, I mean, to be honest, if an icebreaker situation comes up and that's the fact someone shares, now I'm listening. Now I'm engaged. Yeah. Like, I think that's a great fact. Yeah. I think you should uh, start using that as your icebreaker and just anonymous, you know, unmask, let people know. Let yeah, people yeah. then show them your bag. Be like, <laughs> so I was wondering how that sentence was going to end. Then, but then show them your. Uh, <laughs> do do not do not get your your Barbie butt out in um in the the office training session. We can't condone that. So. Yeah, no, no, no. But the bag, I don't think there's yeah. anything wrong with the bag. No, there's a big thing about stigma around around that that sort of thing, isn't there? And I think that you're you're right to um to share it. But, I feel yeah, like, don't hold back. Share it in the icebreaker. I feel like that might be the theme of the podcast today is breaking down stigmas. Yeah, yeah. One, one, one's about having uh, sti- uh, stilio... Oh, fuck. How do you say it? <laughs> I, I, I need to read it from the email. Iliostomy, is that what it's called? Yeah. An, an-, an iliostomy. And um, this is... I don't know if there's a medical term, but they refer to it as Barbie butt is what's referred to here. Oh, 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 wow. Wait, it was sewn. Sh- oh, I just thought it wasn't functioning. Never mind. Show them your butt. I want to see your butt. Listen, re-email. Neurodivergent <laughs> 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 Moments Pod. And if you could, no, honestly, don't do Do not send us any pictures. Please do not send us any pictures. Do not We do not uh, consent to that. <laughs> But, uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. We've got some amazing guests lined up uh, for season three. And, uh, Joe, if they want to send a neurodivergent moment to the podcast, what's the best way to do that? Uh, there's no best way, but a way is to send it to neurodivergentmomentspod at gmail.com. Or they can uh, send it via social media, which is ndm underscore podcast. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Those are the two ways. I say there's no right way. Those are the only two ways. If you send them to our houses, we'll get scared. Yeah. Just the email and the social media. And now that uh, now that we're back in season, I'll start looking at the social media pages again. So, yay! Yes. <laughs> um, guys, thank um, you so much. We need to shout out to our Patreon people, particularly um, oh, yeah. Paul Dyson, who's our new £10 Patreon. Thank you, Paul Dyson. You are keeping the... Uh, we will have all the patrons, but uh, especially Paul Dyson. He's our favourite. Yeah, cheers, and thank you for uh, your £10 a month Patreon. You see, I did a cheers. <laughs> did, 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 that was like Radio 4. That's fantastic. <laughs> I just happen to have two glasses, but I'm ADHD, <laughs> so having two glasses of liquid by me and not 27 empty glasses is very special. <laughs> We talked about sort of differences of deficits, and you know that's one of the positives, isn't it? Is that you can at any point do a a, a cheers photo effect. <laughs> What's so great is to be able to do it on mic because usually I'm just alone in my office, being like, "I finished the task, yay!" 
uh, I, I keep trying to sign off in a smooth way, but uh, I, I feel like I can't. So goodbye, guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye, listeners. See you in a fortnight. <laughs>